Acts chapter 8. If you got it, go ahead and say got it. All right, starting in verse 1. The text says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Amen. Very words of God. Today I want to preach on the topic. How many of y'all remember the young guns from the, from the early 2000s? Don't act like y'all ain't listening to rap music. Y'all remember Can't Stop, Won't Stop? Y'all remember that? Yeah. <laughs> act like y'all don't listen to music. Can't Stop, Won't Stop. No. Well, today I want to preach on that topic. The church can't stop, won't stop. The church can't stop. Can't say it with me. Come on, rap it with me. Church can't stop, won't stop. The church can't stop, won't stop. See, I got to wake y'all up in here. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. God, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross so that your folks will see you this morning. Decrease me so that you may increase. Father, have your word. Have your way in here. Let my words be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my redeemer. Lord, we thank you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, on January 13, 1996, there was a young nine-year-old girl named Amber Renee Hagerman who was abducted near her home in Arlington, Texas. Four days later, they found her body, which one could imagine left their parents with an immense amount of grief over losing their nine-year-old daughter. And this led them on a journey to make sure that other parents would not have to suffer through the same grief that they went through by losing their daughter. So they strategized and they came together. They worked really hard. And what they came up with is now this system that we all have called the Amber Alert System. We all know about it because whenever a child goes missing, it sets our phones off and they start making all kind of noises. It alerts us when this happens. And, and, And the result of the signal drastically reduces the risk of the same thing happening to other little kids like Amber. Because what happens now, not only are the parents alerted, or the authorities now looking, but everyone that has a phone that's around that area is now on the lookout for this child. Don't miss what I'm saying this morning. Family, hear me. There is an Amber alert in Christianity right now. 
more and more people are turning away from Christianity than ever before. There's an Amber Alert. There's a sense of urgency for the believer to wake up and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of y'all don't believe me, though. See, God's first covenant, the marriage covenant, he created. Created between a male and a female. This covenant, which is supposed to resemble his love for his church. This covenant resembles him. That covenant now is ending in more than 50% divorce. 50% divorce. Is there any any wonder why people would rather not get married and cohabitate and just have sex without the covenant? Is there any wonder? I I mean, if all you've seen is failure in the marriage covenant, then why rush in to get married? My pastor, Brian Larissa, he says it this way. He said, if 50% of planes crashed, would you fly? Some of y'all just got that. (laughs) It's the same logic when you nowadays when people think about marriage. Why get married if it's just gonna fail? See, God's covenant that's supposed to resemble his covenant with the people, this marriage union, y'all, is fading. People are not seeing the value in it. Friends, again, I'm telling you, there's an amber alert. Let me keep going. There's, there's about 15 or 5,000 churches that are planted every year. That sounds great, but on the other hand, there's 6,000 to 10,000 churches that close every year. That's 100 to 200 churches a week. I'm trying to tell you, y'all, there is an amber alert in Christianity right now. The alert is that the Christian, the true believer, is becoming more and more nuanced or just simply dying out. Well, you don't see them anymore. That's the Amber Alert. And see, just like it was established back in, back, back in 1996, family, it's the same way now. We need a group of individuals, the church, to step up that firmly believe in Jesus Christ, to stand firm on that and share their lives or the good news of Jesus Christ with a world that's in need. Y'all, the church can't stop won't stop because there are people outside these doors that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this text, there's a lot happening here. This is serious. There's a lot happening up to this point where we left off in chapter 4. There's a lot that happened in those last four chapters. But in all of this, one common theme that you'll see not only in this text, but all throughout the book of Acts is this theme. It's the fact that when Christians are faced with calamity, when they're going through persecution, y'all, they don't clam up. They don't go and hide behind closed doors. They don't do that, but they stand firm and they continue to preach the word of God with boldness. This goes back to chapter 4 when they pray for boldness and not safety. They don't pray to be safe. They say, will you give us the boldness to continue to preach the good news in the face of everything that's happening around us? So family, here, here as we walk through our time today, I want, I want you to focus on this. I, and I want you to ask yourself, is, what, what, how much does Jesus mean to me? How much does my salvation mean to me? See, because, family, if you, if you call yourself a true believer in Jesus Christ, that means that you're called to live different and your life is not your own, but it's God's. 
Therefore, you live according to the purpose of God in the face of persecution, knowing that you're going to have it coming from all sides. And hear me, it may not be a physical harm that you may go through, but it may be something that's going on in your mind. It may be your struggle with identity or your struggle with being uh, uh, approved by everyone or working up that corporate ladder trying to work hard to find security. See, it may not be a physical harm that you may experience walking with Jesus, that type of persecution, but it may be something that's mental. It may be something that you feel on a day-to-day basis, family. It may be on a heart level where you're struggling. And if one is not totally consumed and content with Jesus, then hear me, y'all, the Christian walk becomes joyless, it becomes futile, and just outright hard, because unlike the little engine that could, y'all remember that story? The little engine that could, as long as he had enough strength, as long as he could toot his horn a little bit, as long as his wheels kept turning, he could get up that hill. Christianity ain't like the little engine that could, y'all. It's not based on how hard you work that that, that, that will save you. It's based off what Jesus has done on your behalf on the cross. It's based off of believing in him. It's not based off of what you bring to the table. Everything we bring to the table is going to tarnish and burn and be no more. But what he did stands forever. That's what our faith rests on. And we have to continually remind ourselves of the goodness of God. The goodness of God. And the fact that he has not left us by ourselves here on this earth to walk through the midst of persecution and all the struggles we go through. And see, here's the good news with that. It's because when we actually live in the truth of what Jesus did, not only are we saved or able to walk through this life with our heads held high, but we're able to walk through in the midst of persecution, sharing our lives and sharing the good news with other people because we know where we're going. See, there's a fallen, all you got to do is turn on the TV and you see the fallenness of humanity every day. And y'all, this last week, I couldn't help but to sit back and I'm looking at the shooting on, on the West Coast and I, and I, I began to weep, weep and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, what, what if the gospel was actually shared with this guy? I mean, what if true believers actually surrounded him with the love of Jesus Christ? Then I began to think of the people that lost their lives all too early. I'm I'm thinking of their parents and the grief that they're going through, but I'm also like, man, I I wonder if they actually came in contact with a true believer before they died. Were their lives impacted by Jesus at all? Yeah, I'm trying to tell you, there's an amber alert in society today. The The fallenness of humanity, it ain't getting better. It's time for Christians to rise up and stand firm on the truth of Jesus Christ. And see, I have to ask you the question again. How much is your salvation worth? Because if what Jesus did for you means that much, then it will cause your heart to ache for this world. And you don't ache without any hope. Because you ache, with, with, but, but you have hope for what you see in Jesus. You're aching because of what you see around you. See, the true believer hopes in Christ, and to that end will share that hope to the day they die. But the question all of us have to answer, and we got to be honest, is that, is that true of me? Is my hope solely in Christ, or is it in me? So today, I, I'm going to do something a little different than I normally do when I'm preaching. 
usually preaching line by line, expository, but instead, I, I want to give you more of a narrative of these chapters, and, and I want you to pay attention to what outreach truly looks like, what it truly looks like to live your life for Jesus. Amen? In chapter 5, the apostles, they're preaching Jesus' name, and once again, they're ordered to stop preaching in Jesus' name, and they're placed in prison. Now, they're sitting in prison, but the text says they're free by night by the angel of the Lord. Now, I don't have time to preach about this, but I don't want you to just read over this and skim over the fact that an angel freed them out of prison, y'all. If that ain't affirmation of you're doing the right thing, then I don't know what is. I don't think y'all follow me. Let an angel come free me out of prison. I ain't never stopped preaching. I mean, for real. I mean, it, it would, and the reason being is it probably freaked me out. I mean, this angel came and just opens the gate for me and I get out of prison? The, the, the angel says, go keep on preaching. Okay, I'm, I'm going to keep preaching. They, they keep preaching and, and then they get called up again. It says, like, you need to stop preaching the word of God. And they're called in order to stop this and they're brought before the council once again and, and when told to stop. I love their words, man. You've got to see the boldness. They say, we must obey God rather than man. And the text says that the Pharisees were angered and wanted to kill them, but they proceed to beat them and let them go anyway. Now, the question is, do the apostles stop preaching Jesus' name after this? Do they stop living for him? No. In fact, the text says in chapter 5, verses 41 through 42, look at it with me. It says, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing, look at that, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Man. Now, family, let me ask you. Do you think they're here in the Amber Alert? Are they answering the call? Let's keep going. Chapter 6, the church is growing. The disciples, they've just chosen seven deacons. As they said, look, we can't carry on doing the work of the ministry and then wait tables too. We can't do that, so we need other people to come around us to help care for the people in the church so we can keep preaching and teaching and caring for the church at large. So they put deacons under shepherds in place to take care of the church. Now, out of the seven that they put in place, my man Stephen, who the text says is full of grace and truth. Y'all, you got to love that. They, they say, my man, I mean, how would you like to be known as a person full of faith, grace, and truth? Y'all sign me up, okay? Regardless of what you know about me, I want that written on my epitaph, okay? Can y'all do that for me? <laughs> man, full of grace and truth, full of faith, love the Lord. Stephen rises up, and he's doing works everywhere. And the council, once again, like they did with Peter and John in chapter 4, and then the apostles in chapter 5, they start plotting against him. But this time they say he's blaspheming against God, which, which could lead now to his death. They summon him and they ask him, y'all, is, is this true, Stephen? And my man steps up bold as he can be and just starts preaching the good news. I mean, do you see the boldness there? Now, first, maybe you're missing it. He's not oblivious to the fact that they just tried to kill the apostles. He knows that the church is being persecuted right now, but he doesn't stop because the Amber Alert of believers seeing the fallenness in the world and the need for a Savior is still in effect. 
He starts going through the whole Bible, the whole, and, he, and at the end, he basically tells the people, he calls them stiff-necked and correlates them to the people that have rebelled against God, turned their back against him throughout all the scripture. And then he says, you're the same people that killed Jesus. These are the same guys that just tried to kill the apostles. Do you see his boldness? There's no way someone would do any of this if they didn't understand the goodness of Jesus and the urgencies of others coming to know that same goodness. As a result, they stone him. They stone him. But the thing is, and the thing is here, in all of that, even while he's getting stoned, he's still a man full of grace and truth. He, he isn't retaliating. If it's me, you throw a rock at me, see what happens. He's not retaliating. I'm just being honest. He's not cursing at anybody. Look at, look at what he says in chapter verse 60. Look at it. He says these words. And I can't believe, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Could you imagine being one of those dudes throwing a rock and he says that? When he said this, he fell asleep. He died. Now, you would think that the church at this point would stop preaching in Jesus' name after something like this. I mean, could you imagine seeing someone getting stoned to death? You talk about gruesome. They didn't just hit him with a rock. They threw stones at him until he died. The Pharisees and the people killed him in front of the church. Do, do, do you see that? But this doesn't cause the church. Don't miss it. It doesn't cause the church to stop. In fact, they keep on going. They still hear the Amber Alert calling all Christians to wake up and go out and share the good news in a fallen word. Are y'all still with me? You still with me? Now watch what happens now in the text right now. We read verse 1 in our text. It says that Saul, who in the next chapter he struck down on the road to Damascus, and he becomes Paul. He becomes the greatest church planner of all time. But right now in the text, Paul is the arch nemesis of the arch rival of the church. He's persecuting everybody. He's the one who ordered the execution of Stephen. I told y'all last week, Paul was that dude. He had all types of stature. People listened to him. At his word, people went. That's who Paul is. He's ravaging the church. He's, he's destroying them. He's persecuting, throwing people in and out of prison. Text says, great persecution arises after the execution of Christians were driven or dispersed to other nations to be separated. Which you would think now, now that they're away from the church, now they don't have their brothers and sisters with them, now that they would stop preaching but instead, it ignites the church even more. And they start, the, the gospel's starting to be proclaimed all over Judea and Samaria to the other ends of the world. See, here's the thing. What the council and the Pharisees thought they, were, they would stop, they actually fulfilled Acts 1-8 where Jesus says, go out and, and be my witnesses to Judea and Samaria and the other ends of the world. See, they tried to stop something, stop something for, for bad, and Jesus turned it into good. You see that? Don't miss this. The urgent call right here is still there. They keep going. Let's keep moving through the text. Saul keeps ravaging the church, and he's throwing Christians in jail, and then Philip rises up, another one of those seven men that were chosen. He rises up, and he starts preaching like Stephen. Now the Samaritan people start getting saved by the crowds. Simon, the magician, 
get saved, which was huge because people used to follow this guy, Simon, said that his works were from God. All this magic that he was doing, that had to be from God. And now he gets saved and everything he's doing and all of this, he's pointing his life right back to God. Did y'all see that? So people that followed him now end up following Jesus. Let's keep moving. I don't know if y'all seeing everything that's happening in the church. Philip keeps going, same guy, and he shares now Jesus with this Ethiopian eunuch who was a court official to the queen of Ethiopia. Don't miss this. And you know what's going to happen now? He, he gets saved. He gets baptized. So now he's going back to Ethiopia, a saved man who knows Jesus. He's baptized. He's going back to the queen's court. So you know what's going with him? The good news of Jesus Christ to the highest place in Ethiopia. Do you see what's happening now? See, the gospel is, is spreading like wildfire all throughout the place, but it's not happening. Don't miss this through Christians being comfortable or individualistic or just coming to church, sitting in a seat, drinking their coffee. That, no offense. That's not what they're doing. No, it's happening because they have heard the Amber Alert of missing truth and they responded. They see the urgency and the need for good news. They see that people need hope and they know the only way for these people to know anything different than the normal, the thing that they walk through on a day-to-day -day basis is by them daring to be different in the face of persecution and going out and standing firm on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Family, it leaves us with the same question we began with. How much does salvation of what Jesus has done for you mean to you? Again, do you hear the Amber Alert for Christians to stand up? Stand firm on the truth of Jesus. It's like I said, the church can't stop. It won't stop. And maybe you're missing me because here, here, here's the thing. Although we don't live in the same day and age of the church starting, don't let us for one second believe that the need is not as great. Don't let us for one second believe that there's not as much urgency in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Like I said in the beginning, it doesn't take much. All you got to do is turn on the TV for five minutes. Flip open social media, start scrolling through Facebook and Instagram or Twitter. You'll see it real quick. The fallenness of our world. Let's take a stroll through Chicago. Maybe this will help frame this up a little bit with you. Let's talk about our city. Our city, in 2016, there were 762 homicides, which is more than New York and L.A. put together. Both of those cities are bigger than ours. You know that, right? 2017, there were 650 homicides. Although it went lower, that's still over 600 people murdered and killed. Fallenness. We're known to be a city with wavering politics and corruption. That's why they call us the Windy City. We're all over the place. We're arguably the most divided city across racial and socioeconomic lines with 77 different neighborhoods and within them more than 220 micro neighborhoods. We're known as the city that was one of the front runners in redlining. Y'all know what that is? 
redlining. It's the practice of denying or limiting financial services like mortgages to certain neighborhoods based on racial or ethnic composition without regard to the residents, his, his resume, his qualifications, or even creditworthiness. They don't take any of that into account. So what that means is that because of the color of my skin, being a black man, if I tried to get a mortgage back in the day, I couldn't get into a certain neighborhood because it was deemed to be a white neighborhood. Let me break this down further for you guys ever heard of the black belt? The black belt here in Chicago? It's something called the black belt where throughout the 1900s there were where three quarters of the black population was forced to live in certain parts of the south side. They were restricted to live in these communities because the black people could not live in the white neighborhoods. They had restrictions on that. This ain't that long ago. This black belt extended along State Street from 22nd to 95th Street and east to west from the Dan Ryan all the way to Lake Michigan. The effects still stand today. That's why most black people still live in that neighborhood, in the neighborhoods along that stretch. That's why people still pit Bronzeville against Bridgeport. Bridgeport being historically a white neighborhood, Bronzeville being historically black. And you know what it's separated by? the Dan Ryan Expressway. All of that was on purpose. We still feel the effects today, but maybe you still don't see the need for Jesus in our city. Let me keep going. We have at least 50 Fortune 500 companies right here in our city, but one of the highest homelessness rates of 56, more than 5,600 people. Money, but all this poverty. It's something wrong here fallenness. Friends, and that's just in our city. I didn't get to touch on the region. I didn't touch on the nation. I definitely didn't hit the world. There's an obvious need for Christians to heed the call and share the good news of Jesus. This world is in desperate need of believers who are not afraid of what could happen to them or what people might say about them because of their faith. Because here's the thing, As much as we may say that this nation is a Christian nation, I need y'all to hear me with this. As I said in the beginning, the believer or the Christian is becoming more and more nuanced and lives their life based off of how they feel instead of what the Word of God says. So, So here's the problem with that. One's definition of Christianity can be different than this person's Christianity because now it's built off of how I feel versus what the Word of God says. Now, if my truth is built off of my feelings, then here's the problem with that. Then there's no absolute truth because all of our feelings are different. Y'all follow me? Which is why we have to look at the Bible. And when we look at the scriptures and we're walking through the book of Acts, that's why I'm doing doing this. Because if you look at the early Christians, there's nothing about the way they're living and sharing their faith that's based off of how they feel. It's based off of what they know. Y'all don't believe me, though, do you? Let's walk through it. Think of it this way. Think of it. And this is not a rhetorical question. When you see Peter and the rest of the apostles getting beat down, do you think they feel like getting beat down for the sake of Jesus? Think that, like, man, I want to just go beat, get beat up today. Think that feels good? No, not, not at all. I mean, you go back a few chapters and you see when Jesus is getting beat down. In the, in the Gospels, you see him getting beat down. The disciples are like, I don't know him. I don't know him. 
But now when they see Jesus rise from the grave, they see their risen Lord. Now they're like, that man is God. I believe in him. And now those same guys who still have feelings, but now their feelings aren't what's driving them. They're driven by the truth of their risen Lord. Now they go to their grave for Jesus. You see the difference? See, their lives weren't driven by how they felt, but instead by what they believed and knew is true. But let's keep going. You think it felt good for Stephen? To stand up there and get stoned to death? Better yet, you, you think he, knowing what's going on, he felt like standing up there and preaching that message? No, probably not. He knows he might die, but again, his feelings didn't drive him, but truth did. His resurrected Lord is what was driving him. I said it a few weeks ago, but do you really think that Christians of old that were beheaded burned at stakes, beaten, thrown off of cliffs for Jesus. Do you think it really felt good? You felt good about doing that? Better, better yet, Jesus, Jesus himself, Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, God, please let this cup pass from me. He's talking about sin and, and the weight of the world. But you know what's happening right there? Jesus in his humanity, in his flesh is like, I'm feeling the weight of sin that's coming upon me. And my flesh, I don't want that. But he doesn't choose to work off of his flesh or go forward on his flesh. But he goes forward based off of knowing the truth of who his father is and his love for people. Don't miss this. Friends, with all of that, Christianity is not a religion that's built upon how you feel. But it's the only religion built upon the fact of a resurrected Lord where there has never been a recorded bone found of Jesus. And historians wrote of him that weren't even Christian, like people like Josephus. More than 500 people saw this man get up from the grave and walk amongst them and teach them for 40 days, y'all. And they sang about him. They prayed to him. They, they, they went out and they spread it the name of Jesus Christ because they saw their risen Lord. Hear me, y'all. Christians in the early church, they weren't some crazy zealots that just walked and went around on fire for Jesus. They weren't crazy people that said, I just want to die for him. No, no. They lived their lives in, in light of the truth and knowing that truth of their resurrected Lord. This is why we're still able to worship today. It's because they were faithful with this truth. There's no other religion that has a hope like the resurrection because in his resurrection, Jesus says, you know what? I'm ascending to heaven right now, but one day as you live in my name, you believe in me, I'm coming back for you. And you too will be resurrected to life within me. See, that's why Christians keep going in the midst of persecution because they know where they're going. They know what type of hope they have. See, the true Christian knows how much salvation is worth to them. The true Christian knows that without Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, this life living here on earth is temporal. It's, it's fleeting. It means nothing. But because of my belief in Jesus Christ and him resurrecting from the dead, I know where I'm going. That gives the Christian hope. See, the true Christian knows this truth and puts his or her feet to the pavement, living their lives. For Jesus, knowing that there are more people that need to hear and believe this good news. Scripture says in Romans 10, Romans 10, 14 to 15, I love these words. How then will they call, them, call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they <clears throat> have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written here, the words, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. See, the, see the early church, they believed in the truth of their resurrected Lord, which made them live lives without regard for the persecution on this earth because they knew the goodness of the Lord. And on the other hand, they saw people outside that were fallen and didn't know this same truth and would not know it if they didn't stand up and go out and live their lives in front of them. See, that, that juxtaposition and, and, and the goodness and the fallenness of, of the world, see, that's what gave them the sense of urgency they needed to go out and share their lives with other people. Don't miss it. And that, that need is still here. Friends, don't be fooled into thinking that the Christianity that once was is no more, meaning we don't have to share our faith or live our lives broken and poured out for Jesus. Don't be fooled into thinking that. Y'all, I just walked through just some of the brokenness here in our city. Just some. I didn't touch on everything. I didn't talk about school system. I didn't talk about anything else happening here. There's, there's a whole list we can walk through just in our city. Don't be fooled into thinking that we don't need to still live for Jesus Christ. See, here's the simple truth. And I need y'all to hear me because if God was done and we didn't need to share our lives with anybody else, you look at scripture in Revelations, no believers will be here anymore. And y'all just got done working out yesterday. I'm, I'm still here. Y'all here? Yep, I see y'all. Yep. God is not done yet. He's not done yet. Jesus has not come back. The world has not gotten better. It's gotten worse. It just looks different. It may not be as overt. It's still covert in your feelings, and we're going different all types of ways and not basing our lives off the, off the word of God. That's actually even a little bit, little bit more dangerous. Friends, hear me. In many ways, what's happening is that Satan is trying to abduct Christianity and make people believe that there is no need to live as the Bible says. And instead, says to you, you can live however you want based off of how you feel. But friends, hear me. It's time to sound the alarm. It's time for Christians to stand up. It's time for Christians to wake up and share their lives and live as God has called them to in a world that needs a hope bigger than what they can actually see or feel. And that hope only lies in Jesus. Amen? Amen. As we get ready to end, I want to just share some practical ways with you because you may be sitting there saying, well, Pastor D, I'm, that's good, but what, what do I do? Okay. We've been talking about this Imagine Renewal campaign, and, and one of the four tenets, as I said in the beginning, is outreach. Hear me, friends, there's a reason that Jesus commissions the church to do the work of the ministry. Because when the body works together, hear me, y'all, who can stand against it? When the body comes together, who can stand against it? Satan wants you to believe that you're on an island by yourself. You live this, in this individual bubble, and it's just you. But hear me, when you look at the text, just even up to chapter 8, when people are persecuted and they're going through their problems, their trials, they don't run to some closet by themselves. They, they don't go just pray by themselves. 
They don't just get down and depressed by themselves, but they run back to the church. They go back to the church, and the church starts praying over them, and all, next thing you know, they're back out sharing their faith again. See, they run to the church. So hear me. I need y'all to hear me. The Sunday morning gathering, although I may be preaching the gospel every week, and people get saved in here, and they believe in Jesus Christ, which that should happen. Family, this place is where believers come to get poured into also and prayed over and equipped to go back out and do the work of the ministry. And I know some of y'all still sitting there saying, well, okay, cool, that's great, but I never shared my faith before. I don't know how to do that. Okay, let me tell you. I don't know enough scripture. Maybe you're saying that too. See, here's the thing. All of us that call Jesus Lord and Savior have a testimony. And see, one of the the strongest weapons and one of the things that we all embody if we believe in Jesus Christ is a testimony. So you, you, may not ha- you may not know a whole lot of Scripture, and that's okay, but you know what Jesus has done in your life. You know what you can share what he's done, how he got you out of last week and to this week. You, you know how to share that with somebody. Revelations 12, 11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love their lives, even, they love not their lives even until death. See, this passage in the context is talking about Satan being thrown down to earth, seeking to devour and turn folks from God, from believing in him. But basically, it says that the believer's testimony of a risen Lord, their belief in him is what got them through every day. And it allowed them to conquer Satan. It allowed them to conquer him. And they they did this. They shared their faith. They believed this even unto death. Even to their deaths. Now, it's another sermon for another day, but how many of y'all know that that Satan is working on borrowed time? How many of y'all know that Satan is no competition for God? I should have had more amens than that. Come on now. See, see, the people knew that Jesus had just lived through all of the schemes of Satan as a human, and then he, he dies for our sins, and then he rose, conquering sin and death, thus saying that Satan ain't no competition for Jesus. See, the people knew this. See, and it was their testimony of a risen Lord that kept them going. It's their belief in Jesus that kept them going even until their death. Y'all hear me. Sometimes your most powerful weapon, your most powerful evangelistic tool that you have is your testimony. It's your testimony. That's why part of our membership process, all of you all that are members, we've had you write down your testimony how you were before you came to know Jesus, what you are now, how, how did you come to know Jesus, and then, and then what is he doing in your life right now? Because here's the point. People don't really care what you cognitively know, especially in Chicago. They don't care how many scriptures you can spout off, but what they really do want to know is what Jesus has done in and through your life. Why do you believe? Because if they really want to know the cognitive stuff, they come here and hear me preach. They want to know what... What, what Jesus has done for you. They want to see a life lived out for his glory and his gospel alone. So here's the thing. Go share it. Share your life with others. Another way of sharing your faith is through your deeds. Because here's the truth. Your testimony is great. But some folks, they're just good talkers. No example needed, right? You know people that talk a good game but don't walk nothing. They prep real good in the kitchen, but when you taste the food, it's nasty. <laughs> you all been there before, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. 
Another way of sharing your faith, the good news with other people, is through your deeds. Jesus, when asked the greatest commandment, he says in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your, your neighbor as yourself. Hear me, family. You can't love God and not love your neighbor. Your love for God should in turn compel you to love others around you because that's simply the heart of God. So one opportunity we have for you to serve here at our church, we do, we've been doing this for years now. We serve with a ministry called Breakthrough. If you never served with them, you have a chance to serve with them now. And I want to fill these sheets up, okay? we got about 30 spots out there. We're going to serve dinner. I think it's at the men's shelter on Monday and Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. These are homeless men that, that, that don't have a place to eat dinner. They don't have a Thanksgiving family to go to. So, so here we are. We're going to serve dinner to them. So I want you to sign up out there. If you've never done that before, Let's go, let's go show the love of Christ in our deeds, amen? That, that's an easy way to do that. We've been doing it for years, and we're going to do it again this coming in, in a few weeks now. So sign-ups are out there. Another way is to serve with a ministry called GRIP. How many of y'all heard of GRIP? GRIP, GRIP to school. Uh, it, it's a ministry to fatherless youth here in our city. And how many of y'all serve with them already? Amen, amen. They have after-school activities. They got Bible studies, tutoring. They're actually in this school right now that we're sitting in. There's information on the back tables. We'd love for you to get involved with that ministry. Jay is back there. He serves on the board, so you can bombard him with questions if you want to. Uh, and family, hear me. Here's the truth about this. I'm passionate about this ministry, and I've said this to you before, because there's no me without people like this. People didn't walk alongside me. No father at the house. They didn't walk alongside me. I wouldn't be Pastor D. We wouldn't have a renewal church. So we need you all to live your lives out in this community, the people that, that don't have mentors or people to walk and do life with them. Another way is, is serving simply in this high school. Um, this is an underserved school with students that sometimes are homeless and have many different needs. Come to school without hats, without gloves, without coats on, because they don't have it. Most recently, I was told that there's an administrative need here. So if you have administrative skills and you, you, need, you can let those out, we, we need you to come serve this school maybe a few hours a week. We'd love for you to plug in and be a part of what God is doing here in and through our church. So if you got those skills, see myself, see Liz after church, or just sign up right here at the info table. We'll be able to tell you more. Also in December, another way to serve this school, we're going to get the dates finalized, but we're going to come in after church on a Sunday, and I just want to clean up wells, Okay. I want to clean up this school, whatever they need us to do. I want to paint this school. I want to do all of these different things. Because here's the truth, y'all, and the men can, y'all can get with this a little bit. If you've been in that men's bathroom, it's like a scary movie. It, it looks like Freddy Krueger and Edward Scissorhand got in a fight with the wall. <laughs> Don't act like y'all know what I'm talking about. Paint falling off the wall. Look, I want to scrape all of that stuff off, and let's put some new paint on the wall. Not for us, but for this school. Let's make this place better because we are in it. Amen? Let's not just use this place. Amen? That's showing the love of Christ through our deeds. Amen? Friends, there's countless ways that I didn't even touch on. There's ministries you can serve with, missionary organizations, all these different things you can do. And one of the simple ways is just being a light at your job. It should be different because you're in that place. If we don't recognize the clarion call, for real Christians to stand firm and share their faith. As Romans said, folks will never know the goodness of Jesus Christ. 
Let me bring it home on this. I've been going for a while, but y'all seem to still be with me, all right? Get your favorite food in your mind. Got it? You got that food? I know you're ready to go eat. You got the favorite food in your mind? I love me some fried pork chops, y'all. When I think of fried pork chops, my mouth just starts watering. I start drooling. I'm ready for it, y'all. I mean, the good southern, the, the, the fried with the nice crunch on the outside, but it's still juicy on the inside. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, if you ain't never had that, you ain't never lived. Y'all got your favorite food in your mind? See, the favorite food, is, it's kind of like loving Jesus, because here's the thing. If you love that food, what do you do? You drool over it. You start thinking about it all the time. You love every part about that food. You think about the restaurant. You can't wait to get there. But the other thing you do when you love a certain food is you tell everybody about it. You can't wait to tell it. Man, you got to go to this restaurant with me. You ever had MacArthur's? Boy, you got to get there with me. Get this fried pork chop, because you're excited about it. And you've tasted the goodness. So it is the same when you taste and see the goodness of Jesus Christ. You can't help but tell everybody about it. Amen. Family, the church can't stop. Won't stop. Because there's people outside these doors that need to know the goodness of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God, and we love you. Father, I pray that this won't go near and out the other, but God, that we be a people raised up for your goodness and your glory, and we'll see this city changed because of you working in and through us. God, I know we're undeserving to be called according to your purpose, but that's the grace that's so amazing, God, and your love for us. Even when you see us in the depth of our depravity, you still say, I love my son, I love my daughter, come home. God, I pray that as a people, we'd be about your business and we go share that same love with other people, even when we don't feel like it. Because of how good you've been to us. God, we thank you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said together. Amen.